We give God praise for another opportunity he has given us to be equipped, to be trained, and to be empowered for the season that is upon us. We are in a new season in God, and this new season has new requirements, new responsibilities, and we are required and we have to be equipped for this new season. And that is what God is doing in this kingdom community. And so before, this is what we're looking at. We're starting a new series. Hallelujah. Implementing divine blueprint. And I would like us to just quickly go through what we referred to normally as learning outcomes. By the end of this series, there are certain things we want to see. As a building church and as a building community, we are strategic about how we build. And it's a dimension of God to be strategic about how we live our lives. And so, there are certain things that we have to expect. There are certain things that we want to say by the end of this series that is starting today. The first learning outcome is new sight of God and a new appreciation of who you are. When I mean who you are, I mean your being, your life. We want to gain a new sight of God, a new understanding of the nature and the character of God that would give us a new appreciation of ourselves. The second outcome is deliverance from wrong self-concept and lingering wrong identity. Permanent deliverance from wrong self-concept and lingering wrong identity. One of the things I've realized is that as believers, a lot of things don't just get fixed at the point of salvation. Salvation is a process. Salvation is not, there's a dimension of salvation that is instantaneous. That is what you go through when you come into the kingdom. But what you go through when you come into the kingdom is also a process. So we are saved at the point of that initial salvation. We are being saved, which is the ongoing process of salvation. And then we shall be saved, which is the final salvation. And so in the process of being saved, it is that process that fixes residual damages caused by sin. And that is why you would see believers who have given their life to Christ and they have been in the faith, they still have certain struggles. Struggles with identity. Some still even struggle with the love of God. Things happen in their lives and they come to a point in their lives where they begin to doubt whether or not God loves them. So what helps to fix that is the ongoing process that we are on. And that is why your process has to be valid. Your process has to be valid. So it's a continuous process of being fixed, of being built, of becoming like Christ. 
It does not just happen at once. It's a process. And the reason it looks as if some people would have been in the face for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they still struggle with certain brokenness, it is, the reason is the validity of their training process. How valid is your salvation process? How valid is the ongoing process of salvation that you are involved in? Because that's what it does. What the journey does is that the journey fixes residual damages in our lives. Certain wrong mindset, wrong self-concept, identity issues, brokenness as a result of our upbringing, our experiences, our environment. That's what the word of God continues to do as we engage meaningfully with the word. The third one is healing from brokenness and residual damages. The fourth one is a clear vision and understanding of your blueprint. Every one of us, you need to have a clear understanding of your blueprint. And what I'm talking about referring to here is the bigger blueprint of your life. The bigger blueprint of your life. When they were putting together the blueprint of this building, this structure that is housing us right now. From the beginning, it was conceived to be a three-story building. They didn't just set out and it didn't just come. A three-story building did not just emerge in a day. But in the blueprint, in the plan, it was conceived to be this high. And so from day one, when they began to lay the foundation, they had the builders and the owners, they had it at the back of their minds that this is what they are building. And so the nature of the height of the building informed the quality of the foundation. So even though they were still clearing the bushes, even though they were still digging the foundation, at the back of their minds, they knew they were building something tall. And so what you need to have concerning your life, you need to have that picture, that blueprint, is your life. And this is not in any way trying to downgrade or degrade, but this is just for illustration purposes. Is your life a bungalow? Is your life a duplex? Is it a skyscraper? You need to have that information. So that what you are building today can be consistent with where you are, where you are heading. Can be consistent with the final picture. It's very, very important. Very, very important. You need to have that picture. Because that's what will keep you anchored. And so, by the end of this series, we're trusting God to deliver to us a clear picture of our blueprint. Another one is access to grace to build your life in line with revealed blueprint. Another one is greater boldness and confidence to confront life today and in the future. And the last one is impetus to take your place as the primary facilitator of divine purposes in the last days. Because there is an end to the building process that we are engaged in. It's so that we can be fit 
to be able to carry the purposes of God through in the last days. Because God is counting on us to facilitate the return of Jesus Christ. And ahead of the return of Jesus Christ, there is also an assignment for us here. And that's why he said, occupy till I come. And that is what we refer to as our manifestation ahead of the return of Jesus Christ. So all of the trainings and all of these, you know, building processes that we're engaged in, they are all designed to make us fit for manifestation and for the return of Jesus Christ. And so one of the challenges I have seen that we have as believers even for those of us who have an idea of the life that God has called us into, is gaps that exist in our knowledge of God. That's one of our difficulties. Gaps exist in our knowledge of God, in the way we see God. And so these gaps affect how we see God as well as how we see ourselves. They affect how we see God and how we see ourselves. And any believer with a distorted view of God will have a distorted view of himself or herself. If you have a distorted understanding of who God is, you will surely have a distorted understanding of yourself. The more accurate your sight and understanding of God is, the more accurate your sight and understanding of yourself would be. It's all about our sight of God. And let me share a very quick example with us. Matthew chapter 25 from verse 24. That's the parable of the talent. Verse 24 when the man was to give account, this was his account. The others have presented. You gave me two. I've multiplied the two you gave me into four. You gave me five. I've multiplied the five into ten. And they gave account. But this guy that hid his talent had a word for the master. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Let's quickly unpack this, this scripture. The first thing he said is that, Lord, I knew. Knowledge. Knowledge. He said, I knew you to be what? A hard man. That is wrong knowledge of God. Wrong knowledge of God. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. Look at how this guy saw God. That was how he saw God. He saw God as a hard task master. He saw God as an unreasonable master. He saw God as, as selfish, reaping where he had not sown. That was his sight of God. And that sight of God propelled action. And that's what we see in verse 25. And the first thing, that, what, what happens usually? You know, be, before behavior, there's something before behavior, right? And that is attitude, right? 
attitude. Attitude is that internal construct, state of mind that informs how you behave. And that's what happens. The sight of God that you have informs your state of mind. And then your state of mind informs your actions. That's the progression. So this guy had a warped understanding of God. A warped sight of God. A distorted and completely inaccurate understanding of who God is. And he broke it down to say, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And then that knowledge of God constructed his attitude and his internal state. And verse 25 said, and I was what? Afraid. He was what? He was afraid. So that wrong understanding of God produced fear in him. Wrong knowledge of God produced wrong attitude, wrong heart position. And that wrong heart position informed his action. And he said, and I was afraid. And what? And went and hid your talent in the ground. You can see the progression. It starts from what? The knowledge of God. Which then calibrates our heart. Our attitude. Which then informs our actions and how we live. And so a distorted sight and understanding of who God is will hamper our functionality in the earth. And for this servant... His distorted sight and knowledge of God affected his productivity and by implication, the output and the outcome of his life. Output, what was the output? He was supposed to produce at least two. But he couldn't produce two. He, pro he had one that was given to him. And he gave it back to the master in its raw form. So it affected his what? His output. Productivity. Output. And that was not all. It also affected the outcome of his life. And what was the outcome? The master instructed that the that he has should be collected from him. And then it should be what? They should cast him out. That was the outcome. And so it is important for us to see that the knowledge of God or the version of God that has been sold to us or that we are getting exposed to, will inform how we conduct our lives. One of the reasons Dr. Woodruff refers to certain Pentecostal cycles as materialistic enclaves, and the danger those enclaves pose is this. When we carry the word of God, and everything we can see in the word of God is bread, it doesn't matter the passage. Anything we see is bread. Do you know what that will produce in the believer? greed and materialism. It's actually one of the reasons it looks as if there is no difference between how some believers and unbelievers conduct their businesses. That is why there is no reason, there is no difference between a politician who is a believer and a politician who is not a believer. Because we have turned the entire gospel into bread. And so when people see God, they see Father Christmas. As a matter of fact, there are believers today who think God exists to meet their needs. 
And so any word that they are hearing, if it's not meeting their material need, they don't see it as God. And because all their views and understanding and sight of God is that God exists to meet their need, all of their engagement out there in Babylon is how to grab and not how to impact. So everything's about grabbing. Everything's about taking. And so the, the, the kind of God, the version of God, because there are different versions of God today, that you are exposed to will inform your internal configuration and it will not stop there. It will inform your behavior, your attitude, inform not just your attitude, your actions and the conduct of your life out there. It's about sight. It's about the knowledge of God that you have. And that is why it's very, very important you watch the version of God that has been sold to you. Because this servant had a distorted version of God. He had a skewed understanding, as a matter of fact, completely inaccurate understanding of the character and the nature of God. And because of that, it affected his productivity and then the outcome of his life just because he knew God wrongly. I knew you to be a hard man. Wrong sight of God. Wrong understanding of God. And so we're trusting God that God will deliver to us even though the knowledge of God is unfolding. There is a basic that we need to have that should set us on this journey. And we are in a season right now where God is asking us to declare all of his counsel. So you can't just settle for one dimension of God. If you settle for just one dimension of God, you will miss God. If all you see is the niceness of God, and you You've not seen that there's also a severity to him. You will take him for granted. Let me say this again. People who have been sold a dimension of grace and the love of God without the balance of the fear of the Lord produces a set of believers who live in impurities and yet they think everything is fine. Because the version of God has been sold to them is that God is what? All merciful, all gracious, all loving, all kind. And so they don't pay attention to the severity of God. Knowledge of God. This message, of course, you know that is for us believers. This is not for unbelievers. Because for this servant... To have been entrusted with talent, that meant what? They had relationship. So that you don't think that these servants are unbelievers. No, they are believers. These are Christians who had relationship with him. Because you will not entrust your talent or your money in someone you don't have a relationship with. So these are believers who knew God, who had a relationship with God. But the sight of God and the knowledge of God that they had was completely wrong. And so it's very, very important. Because if we don't have 
an accurate knowledge and understanding of God, it will affect how we live. It will affect our attitude. It will affect the conduct of our lives. And so, let's see some basic character or characteristics of God. Just to help us understand this God who is our Father. And what I'm doing today, I'm just laying the foundation for the series. That's what I'm hoping to achieve today. And I don't know how long this series is going to last for. But it's just to lay the foundation. Genesis chapter 1. I have mentioned this a couple of times to us. We will unpack it today. Genesis chapter 1. Let me read from NIV. In the beginning, God created, from verse 1, the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. That the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. And God said. Let there be a vault between the waters. To separate water from water. So God made the vault. And separated the water under the vault. From the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening. And there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was what? It was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plant, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And so we can go on and on, on and on. As we're just going, can you see the nature of God being manifested in the creation process? The nature of God is being manifested. I won't have the time to read all the scriptures. Please go read Genesis chapter 1. Whole of chapter 1. And a few verses in chapter 2. So what can we see in all of this? We see a creator. We see a creator. We see orderliness. Orderliness. Day one. This, this, this. Separated this from this. This is chaotic. Let's rearrange. You see a God of order. Because if you can't see God clearly as he is. It will affect how you see yourself. Because God will not create something. That will not have his characteristics. Hallelujah. Because if you can see that God is a God of order. 
and you know that he created your life, you will know that your life has been ordered. Because God will not create you and make your life chaotic. That's not consistent with his nature. He's a God of order. Hallelujah. What else can we see? We can see strategy. Hallelujah. We can see strategy. And so God is strategic. Everything he does is strategic. When the earth was without form, he sent the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right? To settle, to steal. Because God knew if I don't take care of that, what I, the next thing I want to do will not happen. So he had to resolve the formlessness. He had to resolve that darkness. So he sent the Holy Spirit. Because without that, there is no way he will say, let there be the first thing he created. It won't happen. That's strategy. That's strategy. And so we need to appreciate God. We need to see that with God. It's religious spirit that tells us that you can just do things anyhow and get results. The God that created you is strategic. That's why you see believers are praying and they are trusting God. I said this year I will get double promotion. They are praying for double promotion. Now, it's good to pray and trust God for double promotion. But if you do that and you are trusting God for double promotion, you need to add more value to yourself. Because there is no employer that will promote you when the output of your life in that organization has been the same from the day you were employed. You ain't got any, who's going to promote? Okay, guys, let me ask you guys. Will you guys promote any staff just because you like the staff's face? The staff has not added any value to his life or her life. Has not earned additional certifications. The level of productivity is the same from the day you hire the person. And the person has gone to church and pray and say, God, I need double promotion. Will you, as an employer, give that person a double promotion? Strategy. Pray by all means. Trust God and believe God for double promotion. But you have to put in the work. <laughs> you have to add value to yourself. You have to add value to yourself. You have to look into your organization and see where are the gaps. Where are the gaps? Where are those areas that the skill sets are not available? How can I go take certifications in those courses and in those areas so I can position myself for the promotion? Strategy. God is strategic. God is strategic. Sight of God. Another thing that we can see is deliberateness. God is very deliberate. God is very deliberate. And that's why you would see everything day one, this, day two, this, everything he created, layer upon layer. And you discover that what was supposed to be in day four, he's not bringing to day one. And that's because God knows that I need to settle this to put this. God needed to separate the waters from the waters, Right? He needed to separate the firmament, right? He needed to gather the waters in one place and create land. Because if all he has created is just water and everywhere is water, how will the elephant survive? Because the only thing he will be able to create will be sea creatures. But for him to create the animals that will roam the land, he needed to gather the waters together. And then the sea creatures, they have their own habitat. 
And then the land creatures, they have their own. Deliberateness. God is very deliberate. It's religious spirit that makes us think that God is just wishy-washy. God is just anyhow. No, God is very deliberate. It's very deliberate. And because if you don't know that God is very deliberate, you will not be deliberate with the way you live your life. But the moment you know that this is the nature of God, God is orderly, you will conduct yourselves in orderly manner. Hallelujah. That's why, I mean, Nigeria is so difficult for us to be orderly. The way we drive. You can analyze the average Nigerian by the way we drive. Just to wait a few seconds for the other person that got to that T-junction ahead of you to just... You're not, no, everybody will put head. And then before you know, the whole place is a jam. No order. I'm serious. Because when you talk about the principles of the Bible, right? They are not just meant for these four walls. They are meant for the way we live out there. It should show in the way we drive. It should show in the way we drive. You can't see that a particular junction is becoming crowded and you know that if you put your car then nobody will move again. Now, the average Nigerian will drive straight into that place. And it will become stalemate. It will become stalemate. Nobody will move from the left, from the right, from the... How nicely there was this day we were just going... Where were we going to, my love? Just by Gadua Junction. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the place was complete, like, jammed up. And I'm, I was like, why are Nigerians like this? Why can't you just be patient? Just a few seconds. Let the next person that got there ahead of you move. No order. No order. And so, these principles of God, if you truly... If, you, if we, if, if 20% of those of us who call ourselves Christians in Nigeria, if we truly knew God, alright, as he is, and we live the way he is, Nigeria will not be the way it is. Nigeria will not be the same the way it is. Severally, anytime I'm driving, except when I'm in a hurry, when I'm driving, I see someone coming from a feeder road. And I will notice that a lot of people have just been passing, not minding the person. And you know, particularly when it's women, no women will not just put, they will wait until the road is clear. Several, once I notice, I will stop. Go. Some women, right? Yeah, some women. Some women. Hallelujah. I will stop. You know, because sometimes you, don't, you are not just mindful of the next person. You are not mindful. I mean, and then another thing is, some people, when they are driving, bad road, and they are the ones that are supposed to enjoy the bad road. The bad side of the road. You know what they will do? And you're coming, they will completely leave their side of the bad road and move completely straight ahead of you. And they expect you to slow down for them. I don't understand. This is not the nature of God. It's not the nature of God to just not care about the next person. No! That is part of what has landed us in Nigeria to where we are today. You don't just care about the next person. It's just me, myself, what I can get for me and myself and my family. And you don't care. And right now, they will, they, will, they will be forced to care. They don't have a choice. They will be forced to care. Most of them can't just travel from here to Kaduna by road. Before they thought it was going to affect those of us who are the... You know, it's, not, it's not affecting everybody. Because from your primitive accumulation of wealth, 
without regard for the next person. Now, everybody is feeling it. Kidnapping, banditry, and terrorism. Because that has created an army of young people who are not engaged, who are not employed. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, but for us, we have to make a difference. This is the nature of God. I don't know what people see when they read their Bibles. I'm serious. I don't know what they see. Guys, when I read, when I study, I see the nature of God. I see the character of God that I must conform to. Alright? Because the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that as we behold as in a mirror, we are being changed to the same image from glory to glory. So what image of God are we beholding? What are we changing into from glory to glory? If indeed believers in Nigeria, we are changing and we are moving from glory to glory, Nigeria should be changing from glory to glory. It's just natural. And that's why we say that a country cannot be better than the quality of the values and principles its people subscribe to. It can't. It can't. And so for us, who are believers, who have the word of God, what difference are we making? When you get to that thick junction that you know it's going to become problematic and then put your car inside. Hallelujah. Amen. No more. Because this is what happens. Do you know that at the end of the day, you end up spending more time there than necessary. And then you lose productive hours. And just patience for a few seconds, few minutes would have resolved it or prevented it. But no. And so, when we study, when we look at God, these are the things we should be seeing. These are the things you should be seeing. Deliberateness. God is very deliberate. You see that in that whole process of creation. Another one is accurate timelines. Also, there's carefulness. There's carefulness. God is very careful. Very careful. Putting things where they are supposed to be. Another one is accurate timelines. He said this will separate the day from the night. And then this is a morning, evening. And then we see display of power. The ability to create something out of nothing. And then we see as well a clear understanding of what is to be created. So in other words, God did not set out without knowing what he wanted to create. So that's why I'm asking, what are you building? What is informing the way you are living right now? What blueprint are you acting out? Hallelujah. The people that built this structure, they, had, they would have the blueprint and the 3D model with them until the end. Until completion. So what is guiding your life? Just hold that question. We're going to answer the question very soon. And so these are some of the characters of God who created you and planned out your entire life. We can therefore say that all these went into the process of creating you as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, all of this went into the process of fashioning and designing faith. Tony, Ketao, Uyi, each and every one of you. God will not take his time 
to create things, to create animals. And then when it comes to create what he now wants to create in his own image and in his likeness, he will do it anyhow. No. You were not created anyhow. You were not designed anyhow. I tell people, it does not matter how you were given birth to. You are not an afterthought. Because sometimes, some of us, you know, particularly from broken homes, where the father and the mother were never married. Hallelujah. And I tell them, I say, no, you're not an afterthought. That's why sometimes, even when people make mistakes and they give birth, you know, out of wedlock, I say, no. The sin is a mistake. The child is not a mistake. And I tell them, do you know why? There are a lot of people who are married who have the legitimate right to engage in that intercourse and it has never produced a baby. And so if an act that was not meant to be produced a baby, trust me, God knew. And if that baby showed up, that baby is not a mistake. And so for that baby, God has a plan. And the plan and the effort that went into creating that plan had all of this. So I'm saying this to say it does not matter the conditions of your birth. As long as you're here and you are in God, all of this went into forming you. There was carefulness. There was deliberateness, strategy. Everything was planned out. And the carefulness went into even the blueprint of your life. Because God has designed and planned out your entire life. Ever before you took a breath. You're not an afterthought. You're, you're actually a masterpiece. Because the Bible said that we are what? Wonderfully. And what? Fearfully made. Fashioned. You're a masterpiece. Every one of us. Every one of you. Short, tall, slim on the big side. It doesn't matter. You're a masterpiece. Because you were made in the image and in the likeness of God. See, God will not create something that will not have his nature, his character. He wouldn't. And so all of this actually went into forming you. You were carefully crafted. The blueprint of your life was carefully put together. Carefully put together. Everything about you, God has planned. Who you would marry. Where you would stay. Everything. God has planned everything out. I don't know how far I can go with the next thing because of our time. I just want to show us this very quickly. Exodus chapter 26. It's actually a long read. But let me see. I'll just read a few verses. And I will encourage you to go back home and read Exodus 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. It's about the tabernacle. From verse 1, God said to Moses, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with Ten cuttings of fine woven linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim, you shall weave them. The length of each cutting shall be 28 cubits, and the width of each cutting, four cubits. And every one of the cuttings shall have the same measurement. Five cuttings shall be coupled to one another, and the other five cuttings shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the cutting. And then he went on and on and on. As I was reading, what were you taking note of? Huh? Precision, specification, detail. That's why I say when people read, I don't know what you see. 
When I read this, what I see, particularly in the Old Testament, you see the nature of God, the character of God, the essence of God. So you can see the details and, and everything that God was putting into building a temporary tabernacle. You can see the attention God was putting into building what was meant to be but for a season. We don't have the time but go home and just read. Because he continued and he was just talking about the frames from the curtains. God went to the frames. And it was very detailed how the frames will be, will be, will be connected to the curtains. He went to the roof. He went on and on and he gave Moses the entire plan. The holy place, the most holy place, the outer court. And what should be in each compartment. Leaving no detail out. Was a complete blueprint that God gave to Moses. Let's look at the next slide. Alright. Now, if we jump to 31 of Exodus. He said, make a cutting. This is like the summary of everything that God had been saying. He said, make a cutting of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with what? Gold hooks. On four posts of what? Acacia wood. In other words, if it's acacia wood, it better be acacia wood. God was very specific. Now, guys, after receiving this, will it be obvious if Moses built something else? It will be obvious. Because the plan was just too detailed. And let me say this, guys. You see how detailed God is with this thing. That's how detailed he is with your life. Sometimes we think, oh, God does not care about this aspect of my life. Or when God was planning me, he didn't think I would be in this condition. He didn't think I would be given birth to by this, my two parents. That's why people sometimes say, I wish I was given birth to by another set of parents. No, he took all of that into consideration. Your being here in Nigeria, it was part of the plan. Being in Abuja, part of the plan. The challenge is that a lot of us, we come to that place, even as believers, and we are questioning what God has done because we can't see very clearly the nature of the Father. We can't see. There is no mistake. Everything, you're, I mean, my goodness. I mean, look at God hooks. He didn't just say, he didn't just say, hang it and use whatever thread you like. Or, leave that part of the conversation out and then say, I will leave it to you to decide what you will use to hang it. That is not God. You see, there is no aspect of your life that God has not planned out. Even the minutest detail that you will think he's not interested in. He is. He is. He said with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood. Overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. <laughs> he didn't just say and standing on four bases. No, he qualified it on four silver bases. Detail. Specifications. Now, that tabernacle was built around 500 BC. As we speak, you can't even find a shred of the component and the materials that were used. How much more you that he has designed 
to live with him for all of eternity. You think God missed out certain details of your life when it was made? No, 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 no. If you ever thought that, you don't know this God. You don't know this God. And that's why I'm saying, see, after this series, one of the things is no more confusion. No more doubting whether or not God loves you. Just what I'm saying. All of that you have to banish because if you see, if you know God and you see the nature of the God that has created you and how he has packaged your life, there are certain things, certain contemplations you have that you will never have. There are certain confusions that hit you that will never hit you. There are certain errors and mistakes you make that you will never make. If you can just see that this God is deliberate and he has, that he has carefully planned out your life. Let's see the next slide. I'm rounding off now. That's it. Press it one more time. Can you see? This was what was delivered to who? To Moses. In its raw form. Just a sketch of this, the like overview of the design. So your life, there's a blueprint for your life. And that blueprint is in the heart of God. It's like this. It is his responsibility to design the blueprint. It's your responsibility to build it. It's yours. Because after God delivered this, and as he was delivering this, in verse chapter 31, that's where we got the name of our workforce from, Bezalel Company, right? And he was telling Moses, Moses, don't worry. Hey, my goodness. Guys, eh, we, we, I think I will introduce how to assess resources to build divine blueprint. See, even the resources you need to build every aspect of your life, God has provided. I mean, years before this, God told them when they were about to leave Egypt. He said, before you leave Egypt, they were going into the wilderness. And God was saying, go to your Egyptian neighbors and plunder them, not steal from them. In other words, just go and ask them for articles of silver and of gold. So go tell them, say, I am leaving. It's been a great time. You know, even though you guys didn't treat us well. But we're going to serve our Father and our God. And so what parting gift do you have for me? You know, and they went in and they were bringing articles of gold. Were they going to spend it in the wilderness? No. No market in the wilderness. But God knew that he would have them build a tabernacle for him. And so before this, he said, go to the children of Israel and tell them to make a free will offering of gold, of silver, of all the things I told them to collect from Egyptians. So in other words, God won't ask from you what he has not given you. I'm serious. And if you ever think you don't have it, you've not looked well enough. If God ever places a demand on you, and you think you don't have what it takes to meet that demand, you've not looked well enough. Because God won't place a demand on you <laughs> for something he has not resourced you for. That was what happened with that servant. He didn't know that he had the capacity to multiply. He didn't know. He lost that sight of God. All he knew was, had tax master. You are this, you are that. But he didn't know that God had put in him the capacity to create. He lost sight of that dimension. And then he lost his place in the kingdom. Everything that you need. You are not an afterthought, like I said. Everything you need for that business, for that study, for that PhD, for that master's program, for everything you need to be a blessing to people. Everything you need. That's why you see even believers. That's why I tell us, anytime you are going now, don't just go out to grab. Go out and look out for opportunity to be a blessing. 
You know, I've said there's a relationship between Christianity and particularly Protestantism and capitalism. Because there's a dimension, because those guys, they carry the message. You understand? And they picked certain aspects of the message and they taught it so well that people became very self-centered. They were producing, but it was around their need. And that's why capitalism is the way it is. It doesn't care. It doesn't care who it, it, it crushes to accumulate capital. And see, that's what, you see this Bible. Bible is very powerful. People have killed, I mean, massacred in the name of God. It's like two-edged sword. And lives have been destroyed and still been destroyed using this same Bible. Manipulated. I mean, the worst and extreme one of it is people eating grass, drinking all sorts of things. People, I mean, eating grass and doing all sorts of, I mean, very crazy stuff because a pastor said so. And that's why I say, when you're coming here, please come with your brain. Don't leave it at the door. There's a, when God was fashioning you, he put brain inside your head, right? You need it. I'm serious. You need it. You need that brain. Your brain is not a mistake. I'm serious. Because that's what religion has done. People just leave their brain outside. And then they come in here and the pastor tells them to do all sorts of things. And they just go ahead and do. One, those things can't stand reason. They can't stand the test of the scriptures. They can't stand nothing. And because they don't know God for themselves, they don't even know where God is not speaking. Because it takes someone who knows who can hear God. That's when you know that what this person is saying is actually God. See, strategy... Sitting down, deliberating things around what God has given up is very important. How will you achieve that next milestone in your life? And so as God was delivering this to Moses, he told Moses, don't worry Moses. Because I have used the word skilled, skilled, skilled. Please, let's see the previous slide. Before this. He said what? He said, with what? Twisted linen with what? Cherubim woven into it by what? A skilled worker. So in other words, there's a need for a particular kind of resource. Skillfulness. Creativity. Skilled. Not just an artistic person. But this person has to be what? Skilled. Hey, because God has a standard. God has a standard. See, see you can't build anything anyhow for God. No. So that's why, see, the way you, that's what, see, you guys, the attention that you need to give, put into building your life. And I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm talking because what you are building is for God. You are a holy habitation. Oh. God is coming to, is dwelling in you. He wants to make you an eternal resting place. So the deliberateness I have to put in. So he says, skilled worker. And you know what he was doing? In this same, he told, he told Moses, he said, don't worry Moses. Because I know you can't do everything. I have put my creativity and my spirit of excellence in Bezalel, Oholiab, and all the craftsmen, they will bring that aspect of the resources into the construction. That's why I said to us that some things you need in your life, they are not in you. They are in relationships. Yeah. They are in relationships. That's why I said, don't, don't, take, don't take your relationship for granted. Don't just think you meet people by accident. I don't have the time today. I know I've shared with us that certain people I met 30 years ago, they are still in my life today. Because I didn't meet them by accident. Because there's a dimension of what you need that God has put in other people. That's why I advise people, don't be quick to write people off. Don't be quick to dismiss people. You didn't meet that person by accident. You didn't walk into this place by accident. That's what I'm saying. You did not connect with me by accident. Or with Lady Kems by accident. No, because there's nothing accidental about you. Everything was carefully planned. There are people who have turned their backs on relationships. On people who carry certain dimension of the resources that they need to build their life to completion. There's nothing accidental about you. 
And so like we said, the tabernacle of Moses was a temporary dwelling place of God. And God gave it that much attention. How much more you? And so from verse 1 to verse 13 of Exodus 26, you will see that God was giving Moses a detailed description of the curtains, the materials, the sizes, the colors, the details of the designs that should be on them. From verse 14, he actually gave details of the roof, what the roof would be like. And he said, make for the tent a covering of ram skins, not goat skins, ram skins, dyed red, and over that a covering of the other durable leather. Hallelujah. In verse 15 to 29, he gave details of the frames, quality of the wood, the sizes, the coating, and the placement. Let's see the next slide. Bam, bam. That's it. Alright? So at the point of construction, this is it. So can you see the layers of the roofing? Dyed leather. Ram leather, not goat leather. Because when you are working with God, when you say ram, you have to look for ram. You can't say, God, there is no goat. Let me settle for ram. No, that's, nature of, that's not the nature of God. That's not the nature of God. Everything. So you can see the outer court. You can see the holy place. You can see the most holy place where we have the Ark of the Covenant. And you'll be like, God, why not just tell Moses to just build a box? No, God was very specific, very detailed. Everything you see here, read Exodus. God said everything, how everything should be put together. And this is no more. And you are eternal. You are eternal. And so one of the points that we're making here today is this. That if you can see your father has been very deliberate, very intentional, very strategic about everything that he does. You need to know that he put in all of that effort in fashioning your life. In designing your blueprint. You need to know. You need to know. The challenge that we have, the challenge that we have is, or one of the challenges is that we don't even have sight of that blueprint. As a matter of fact, there are some believers who don't even know that God has a blueprint for their lives. I mean, you can look at this. Do you know that God gave measurement, the distance, the, 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 the space area of the holy place? You know he gave the dimensions. You know he gave the height, the height from ground to up. You know he gave the, the measurement. The size of the inner place, that's most holy place. He gave the dimensions. And you think God does not have a say concerning who you marry. Oh, you think God does not have a say concerning where you live. You think God does not have a say concerning certain areas of your life. The challenge with us is that we don't take our time to ask him. And so we struggle in the process of trying to figure these things out or to build them. But if you can see that there's a design, there's a template, and you've seen the nature of the person who has designed your life, all you have to do is carry the blueprint. And build according to the design. So you're not a mistake. A lot of thoughtfulness went into fashioning your life. Designing you. And I want to say this ahead. That in building your life, the same characteristics and features that went into designing your life must be put into building your life. Carefulness, deliberateness, intentionality, oddliness, strategy, went into creating your life. Now that you have responsibility to build, all of that must also be put into building. Hallelujah. Do you have a new sight of God today? Can you see how God is? God is not vague. God is not vague. God is not abstract. He's not. Let's rise to our faith. And I want you to tell God, I see you. I know you. 
Now I know you better. I know you better. I know you better. I know you better. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, As we behold with an unveiled face, as in a mirror, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. I want us to pray and ask God for a better sight of him. Just ask God for a better sight of him. Ask God for a better sight of him. Father, give us a clear understanding of who you are. Of your character, of your nature, of your essence. Remove distortions from my sight of you. From my understanding of who you are. The damages that have been created by religion. Father, fix them in my heart, in my mind. The damages that have been created in the picture and in my understanding of you. Father, bring correction to them. Bring correction to them. Bring correction to them. And I want us to pray that as we begin to behold the authentic God, the accurate God that we will become in the name of Jesus. As I begin to see you accurately, Father, help me to become, help me to conform to your nature. Help me to conform to your character. Help me to conform to your essence. Because what I behold is what I become. Help me to see right. 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 And in every way, in every form that we have acted based on our wrong knowledge of God, Father, have mercy. Like that servant that went and hid the talent that was given to him because he had a wrong understanding of God. Father, have mercy. Help us to get it right going forward. Thank you, Father. We give you praise, God. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.